Chapter thirty two of Young People's Treasury, Volume six Famous Travels and Adventures by Hamilton Wright Maybe. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Betty B. The Lost City of Petra by Johann Ludwig Burckhardt. South of the Dead Sea, at about sixteen hours' distance from the extremity of that body of water, is the Valley of Araba running in almost a straight line declining to the west as far as akaba at the extremity of the eastern branch of the red sea the existence of this valley appears to have been unknown to ancient as well as to modern geographers although it is a very remarkable feature in the geography of syria and arabia petraea and is still more interesting for its productions in this valley of the jordan the mana is still found it drops from the sprigs of several trees but principally from the garab it is collected by the arabs who make cakes of it and who eat it with butter they call it asal beiruk or the honey of beiruk indigo gum arabic and the silk tree called ashiar whose fruit encloses a white silky substance from which the arabs twist their matches grow in this valley I was particularly desirous of visiting Wadi Musa, of the antiquities of which I had heard the country people speak in terms of great admiration, and from thence I had hoped to cross the desert in a straight line to Cairo, but my guide was afraid of the hazards of a journey through the desert and insisted on my taking the road to Aqaba, the ancient Ezion Jiber, at the extremity of the eastern branch of the Red Sea, where he said, we might join some caravan and continue our route toward egypt i wished on the contrary to avoid akaba as i knew that the pasha of egypt kept there a numerous garrison to watch the movements of the wahhabis and of his rival the pasha of damascus a person therefore like myself coming from the latter place without any papers to show who i was or why i had taken that circuitous route would certainly have roused the suspicions of the officer commanding at akaba and the consequences might have been dangerous to me among the savage soldiery of that garrison the road from shobak to akaba lies to the east of wadi musa and to have quitted it out of mere curiosity to see the wadi would have looked suspicious in the eyes of the arabs i therefore pretended to have made a vow to slaughter a goat in honour of harun Aaron, whose tomb i knew was situated at the extremity of the valley and by this stratagem i thought that i should have the means of seeing the valley on my way to the tomb to this my guide had nothing to oppose the dread of drawing down upon himself by resistance the wrath of harun completely silenced him i hired a guide to eldj to conduct me to harun's tomb and paid him with a pair of old horseshoes he carried the goat and gave me a skin of water to carry as he knew there was no water in the wadi below in following the rivulet of eldage westward the valley soon narrows again and it is here that the antiquities of wadi musa petra begin of these i regret that i am not able to give a very complete account but i knew well the character of the people around me i was without protection in the midst of a desert where no traveller had ever before been seen and a close examination of these works of the infidels as they are called would have excited suspicions that i was a magician in search of treasures 
i should at least have been detained and prevented from prosecuting my journey to egypt and in all probability should have been stripped of the little money which i possessed and what was of infinitely more value to me of my journal future travellers may visit the spot under the protection of an armed force the inhabitants will become more accustomed to the researches of strangers and the antiquities of wadi musa will then be found to rank among the most curious works of ancient art the approach to wadi musa is a ravine in places only twelve feet wide and with rocky walls one hundred feet high along this ravine are the famous ruin of petra the kushna or treasury of pharaoh and a theatre both cut in the solid rock the floor of the valley within about two miles wide is strewn with ruins near the west end of wadi musa are the remains of a stately edifice of which part of the wall is still standing the inhabitants call it kasir bint farun or the palace of pharaoh's daughter in my way i had entered several sepulchres to the surprise of my guide but when he saw me turn out of the footpath towards the kasir he exclaimed i see now clearly that you are an infidel who has some particular business among the ruins of the city of your forefathers but depend upon it that we shall not suffer you to take out a single para of all the treasures hidden therein for they are in our territory and belong to us i replied that it was mere curiosity that prompted me to look at the ancient works and that i had no other view in coming there than to sacrifice to harun but he was not easily persuaded and i did not think it prudent to irritate him by too close an inspection of the palace as it might have led him to declare on our return his belief that i had found treasures which might have led to a search of my person and to the detection of my journal which would most certainly have been taken from me as a book of magic it was of no avail to tell them to follow me and see whether i searched for money their reply was of course you will not dare to take it out before us but we know that if you are a skilful magician you will order it to follow you through the air to whatever place you please the sun had already set when we arrived on the plain it was too late to reach the tomb and i was excessively fatigued i therefore hastened to kill the goat in sight of the tomb at a spot where i found a number of heaps of stones placed there in token of as many sacrifices in honour of that saint while i was in the act of slaying the animal my guide exclaimed aloud o harun look upon us it is for you we slaughter this victim o harun be content with our good intentions for it is but a lean goat o harun smooth our paths and praise be to the lord of all creatures this he repeated several times after which he covered the blood that had fallen to the ground with a heap of stones we then dressed the best part of the flesh for our supper as expeditiously as possible for the guide was afraid of the fire being seen and of its attracting thither some robbers on our return we crossed the valley of araba ascended on the other side of it the barren mountain of bayan and entered the desert called el tih which is the most barren and horrid tract of country i have ever seen black flints cover the chalky or sandy ground which in most places is without any vegetation the tree which produces the gum arabic grows in some spots and the tamarisk is met with here and there but the scarcity of water forbids much extent of vegetation and the hungry camels are obliged to go in the evening 
for whole hours out of the road in order to find some withered shrubs upon which to feed during ten days forced marches we passed only four springs or wells of which only one at about eight hours east of suez was of sweet water the others were brackish or sulphurous we passed at a short distance to the north of suez and arrived at cairo by the pilgrim road i left hadda disguised as a mussulman pilgrim to mecca my guide who knew nothing further respecting me than that i had business with the pasha at taif that i performed all the outward observances of a moslem pilgrim and that i had been liberal to him before our departure asked me the reason of his having been ordered to take me by the northern road i replied that it was probably thought shorter than the other that is a mistake he replied the mecca road is quite as short and much safer and if you have no objection we will proceed by that this was just what i wished though i had taken care not to betray any anxiety on the subject and we accordingly followed the great road in company with the other travellers rez el Kora is the most beautiful spot in the hedja and more picturesque and delightful than any spot i had seen since my departure from lebanon in syria the top of jebel Kora is flat but large masses of granite lie scattered over it the surface of which like that of the granite rocks near the second cataract of the nile is blackened by the sun several small rivulets descend from this peak and irrigate the plain which is covered with verdant fields and large shady trees on the side of the granite rocks to those who have known only the dreary and scorching sands of the lower country of the hedja the scene is as surprising as the keen air which blows here is refreshing many of the fruit trees of europe are found here figs apricots peaches apples the egyptian sycamore almonds pomegranates but particularly vines the produce of which is of the best quality after passing through this delightful district for about half an hour just as the sun was rising when every leaf and blade of grass diffused a fragrance as delightful to the smell as was the landscape to the eye i halted near the largest of the rivulets which although not more than two paces across nourishes upon its banks a green alpine turf such as the mighty nile with all its luxuriance can never produce in egypt at the northeast corner of the kaaba near the door is the famous black stone it forms a part of the sharp angle of the building at four or five feet above the ground it is an irregular oval of about seven inches in diameter with an undulating surface composed of about a dozen smaller stones of different sizes and shapes well joined together with a small quantity of cement and perfectly smoothed it looks as if the whole had been broken into many pieces by a violent blow and then united again it is very difficult to determine accurately the quality of this stone which has been worn to its present surface by the millions of touches and kisses it has received it appeared to me like a lava containing several small extraneous particles of a whitish and of a yellowish substance its color is now a deep reddish brown approaching to black it is surrounded on all sides by a border composed of a substance which i took to be a close cement of pitch and gravel of a similar but not quite the same brownish color this border serves to support its detached pieces 
it is of two or three inches in breadth and rises a little above the surface of the stone both the border and the stone itself are encircled by a silver band broader below than above and on the two sides with a considerable swelling below as if a part of the stone were hidden under it the lower part of the border is studded with silver nails in the procession to mount ararat every pilgrim issued from his tent to walk over the plains and take a view of the busy crowds assembled there long streets of tents fitted up as bazaars furnished all kinds of provisions the syrian and egyptian cavalry were exercised by their chiefs early in the morning while thousands of camels were seen feeding on the dry shrubs of the plain all around the camp the syrian hajj was encamped on the south and southwest side of the mountain an isolated mass of granite about two hundred feet high the egyptian on the southeast around the house of the sherif yaha himself was encamped with his bedouin troops and in its neighborhood were all the hejez people mohammed ali and Soleiman, pasha of damascus as well as several of their officers had very handsome tents but the most magnificent of all was that of the wife of mohammed ali the mother of Funsun pasha and ibrahim pasha who had lately arrived from cairo for the hajj with a truly royal equipage five hundred camels being necessary to transport her baggage from jiddah to mecca her tent was in fact an encampment consisting of a dozen tents of different sizes inhabited by her women the whole enclosed by a wall of linen cloth eight hundred paces in circuit the single entrance to which was guarded by eunuchs in splendid dresses around this enclosure were pitched the tents of the men who formed her numerous suite the beautiful embroidery on the exterior of this linen palace with the varied colors displayed in every part of it constituted an object which reminded me of some descriptions in the familiar arabian tales of the thousand and one nights when the preacher began his sermon the two pashas with their whole cavalry drawn up in two squadrons behind them took their post in the rear of the deep line of camels of the hajis to which those of the people of the hejaz were also joined and here they waited in solemn and respectful silence till the conclusion of the sermon further removed from the preacher was the sherif yahya with his small body of soldiers distinguished by several green standards carried before him the two mammals or holy camels which carry on their backs the high structure that serves as the banner of their respective caravans made way with difficulty through the ranks of camels that encircled the southern and eastern sides of the hill opposite to the preacher and took their station surrounded by their guards directly under the platform in front of him the preacher or katyib who is usually the kadid of mecca was mounted upon a finely comparisoned camel which had been led up to the steps it being traditionally said that mohammed was always seated when he addressed his followers a practice in which he was imitated by all the caliphs who came to the hajj and who from thence addressed their subjects in person the turkish gentleman of constantinople however unused to camel riding could not keep his seat so well as the hardy bedouin prophet and the camel becoming unruly he was soon obliged to alight from it he read his sermon from a book in arabic which he held in his hands 
at intervals of every four or five minutes he paused and stretched forth his arms to implore blessings from above while the assembled multitudes around and before him waved the skirts of their irams over their heads and rent the air with shouts of lebec allah huma lebec here we are at thy bidding o god during the wavings of the irams the skirts of the mountain thickly crowded as it was by the people in their white garments had the appearance of a cataract of water while the green umbrellas with which several thousand hajis sitting on their camels below were provided bore some resemblance to a verdant plain End of chapter thirty two